0: going live. Okay, we should, in theory, be live. Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome to a very special time of open space. Uh, It's morning for me, but it is uh, afternoon, evening in Europe, and that's important because my guest, Dr. Pekka Janhunen, is living in Finland. Uh, Dr. Janhunen, welcome to open space. Thank you. So you might not know, but you are a bit of a celebrity around these parts here on my channel. I have covered uh, your research work. I did a whole video. Uh, I think I made a mistake. I got ions backwards. Um, I don't know if you if you saw it, um, but we covered your idea of electric sales, and and we have brought this up a couple of times in in other episodes. So so I know that my audience, some of my audience, is actually very familiar of of the work that you have been doing. But for those who don't know, who are you and uh, and what do you do?
1: Yes, yeah, so, so my name is Pekka Janhunen and I'm the inventor of the coulomb drag propulsion, uh, which includes the electric solar wind sail and the so-called plasma break for satellite deorbiting. Uh, my background is space plasma physics. So I'm not an engineer, but I'm a scientist as my background.
0: And 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 I'm working
1: at the Finnish Meteorological Institute as a as a researcher.
0: Right, right. So so your background is in plasma physics and and sort of the the plasma from the sun, the solar environment. And and so where did this idea of of the electric sail, where did this come from?
1: Uh, It came from an ESA project, so so. ESA is the European Space Agency, so ESA, so I, I mean, that was back in 2002 or something like that, so uh, ISA was interested in the so-called magnetic sail idea that had been proposed earlier, and they wanted a scientific study of, of that idea, and, and we were selected to study it, and then we studied it, and then made some kind of theoretical study and said that yes, it would work in theory, but, and, but and, you need the superconducting
0: cables and so on. And so it's technically difficult to build. And so just, uh, so, just, to, be, just to understand this, this distinction, yeah. so what is the idea then of the magnetic sail? We'll let's start there first.
1: Yeah. Yes, okay. So the magnetic sail uh, is basically artificial magnetosphere. So it's like a magnetic bubble which is pushed by the solar wind. Uh, just in the same way as the solar wind is pushing Earth's magnetosphere. Uh, uh, so it's also sailing with the solar wind. Right, right. And so- Whereas the electric sail that we are talking about here is uh, a little bit similar thing, but we use the electrostatic field Instead of the magnetic field for deflecting the, the solar wind flow,
0: and and so just to, just again just to sort of more deeply understand right, we've got the solar wind that is coming from the sun, and it is containing, it's containing ions, it's containing uh, it's containing electrons, it's containing protons, and they are charged. Mm-hmm from the sun's magnetic field. And so these, the the solar wind is pushing out from the sun and these kind of clouds of material have a, have an electric charge as, and, and a certain level of like a magnetic field as they are, as they are moving through the solar system. Right. And you're looking to interact with that.
1: Yes, that's correct. Uh, but the magnetic field of the solar wind, uh, is not important for this application. So it's just, it's a passive quantity, which is carried along by the solar. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And so and so the idea of the magnetic sail is that you're trying to use, you're essentially trying to be pushed by this by the mag. you're trying to I guess, the way magnets repel each other, right? That you're trying to
1: No, 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 no. Also, the magnetic sail is pushed by the by the dynamic pressure of the solar wind flow. Okay, okay. So 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 the only difference is that in the magnetic cell you create a magnetic field obstacle for the solar wind flow, whereas in the electric cell you create an electric field obstacle for right, the solar right.
0: wind flow. And and creating a large magnetic field is a very energy intensive process. Like it we've we've covered this idea quite a bit in the past, where people have said, Oh, you know, could you surround astronauts with, uh, with a magnetic field to protect them from space radiation. And, and every attempt to figure this out so far, the answer has been, no, you need, um, it's too expensive. It's too complicated. It makes more sense to just surround people with lead.
1: Yes. In case of astronauts, there is also another Kind of more fundamental problem with the magnetic field, and it's that humans cannot tolerate uh, extremely high magnetic fields. So, uh, and then the topology of the magnetic field should be such that the manned compartment is—I mean—that the field cannot exist, must not exist in the manned in, the, in right. the volume where the, where people are. But but then, uh, that creates a problem that. The secondary cosmic radiation, which is produced from the walls of the structure, right, right. it gets trapped into this, into, into this uh, uh, field-free region, which is the same region where the people are. And then the secondary <laughs> cosmic ray particles are moving back and forth there, and they are dissipating then their energy eventually in the flesh of the people, basically, and, and in the walls. So- right,
0: right, right. So you're sort of trapped in there with the radiation that you're that you're trying to protect yourself from,
1: yes. Or, or the, the secondary particles of. So, so you have some primary particles which are able to penetrate the primary shield, but then the lower energy secondary particles created by those they are they are right,
0: cut. right, right. So you're sort of cooked in your own. In your and, own and I oven. think this is
1: not 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 too widely known. So it was pointed out by, by Eugene Parker in about fifteen years ago in one of his publications, but but I, I don't think it's. It's extremely widely appreciated, this kind of fundamental problem. That's
0: really interesting. uh, uh, That's you're the, you're the first, you're exactly right. I mean, we've covered this idea quite a lot and I've never heard this before that, that essentially the process of blocking the most dangerous radiation essentially then traps the secondary particles inside the field that you're trying to protect with more particles. and. And like, do you need to make another field that protects against those particles? Like, it's you know. Yes, but you can't do that because because humans cannot tolerate that high fields.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so I so think. so uh, because uh, I, I mean humans might tolerate it if they are st- completely stationary, but <laughs> as soon as they start to move across the field, then there is an uh, an induced electric field across the human being, and there have been experiments that you get a salty. Uh, Even in a rather moderate magnetic field, you get a salty taste in your mouth if you move in that
0: field because there is some electrolytic process in the saline of your mouth. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that is that is so great. Thank you so much. I had no, I like, I had no idea. That was like just a gigantic blind spot in my in my knowledge, and that's wonderful. I I,
1: I learned this point recently by by reading by randomly. I mean, finding this publication by, by Uchi Parker oh. from 2005. Right?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so let's go back. So so, so yes. you were studying the idea of the magnetic sail, and it didn't look like it was going to be that effective, but then you considered yes. the yes. idea of, of an electric sail instead. Yes,
1: just because uh, because I'm a physicist by, by education. So in physics, the electric and magnetic fields are kind of two sides of the same coin, so to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's natural to ask that if the magnetic field doesn't work so well for this purpose, for tapping into the free yep. momentum flux of the existing solar wind, then uh, maybe the electric field does the same trick. So,
0: And, and so then, and then practically then, what would uh, an electric sail, how does it function?
1: Yes, it it consists of, of very long and thin metallic tethers which are kept uh, biased, at a high positive potential with respect to the to the solar wind plasma so uh, for example 20 kilovolt potential Mm -hmm. with respect to the plasma and then the the, the tether creates around itself an electric field which is pointing away from the tether Uh, and this electric field deflects uh, the solar wind protons uh, and therefore it taps momentum from the flow of the solar wind protons it also changes the trajectories of the solar wind electrons but that doesn't create much force because the because the electrons are so lightweight particles that right. almost all of the momentum densities in, in the in the ions which is mainly in in protons in, in the case of right
0: solar and wind. so and so the key is that you are getting the momentum change from the from deflecting the protons that are part of the solar wind that are coming from the sun
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah that's okay.
0: A good summary, yes. And so then where does this, how does this, this force that's coming from the sun that you're able to tap into, yeah. how does it change as you move farther and farther away from from the sun? Where yeah, is it most great... effective and where does it sort of start to tap out?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, so the answer is that it decays as one divided by the distance from the sun. So. Uh, So 1 over r, Mm -hmm. where r is the distance from the sun. So uh, the the dynamic pressure of the solar wind, so that means how many newtons per square meter, a dynamic pressure, that decays as 1 over r squared, 1 over distance squared. But uh, the the plasma physics of this um, penetration of the electric field into the surrounding plasma works in such a way that this uh, sheath, this uh, electric sheath, as we call it, sheath region, which is around the tether, uh, it also gets wider when the plasma density goes down, and that partly compensates for the decay of the of the dynamic
0: pressure. So as a net
1: result, then it it goes right. such that, uh, but that but it's it, one over distance,
0: right? And but one over distance is dramatically better than what you would get with the illumination, like this, like when you're running a solar yes. sail, you're looking at one over r squared, right? Yes, that, that's exactly true, yes. So if we go to Jupiter
1: distance, for example, then uh, we are five times more effective compared to the solar sail as we, than we were at one AU distance. And, and by the way, this does not only hold for the solar photonic sail, but it also holds for the common, I mean, that already nowadays used, uh, ion engines, I mean electric propulsion, so, solar electric propulsion, uh because uh, the solar electric propulsion uses uh electric power which comes from the solar panels and, and the illumination
0: of the solar panels goes down yeah. also one over r squared right right so then where do you see this being a practical like as you said you know we already have solar electric propulsion we have ion engines we have chemical propulsion people are starting to consider Perhaps light sails. What? Where do you see the the electric sail outperforming, and being the most useful propulsion system for exploring the solar system?
1: Uh, the applicability is in principle quite wide. So, so it it could replace. Mo- I would say that it could replace most of the low thrust propulsion applications, which means. Uh, uh, solar electric propulsion uh, uh, and photonic sails uh, there are some limitations so so one limitation is that the electric sail does not work inside earth's magnetosphere because there is no solar wind in the magnetosphere right. So, right so we can't use it for lifting satellite orbits and that's of course the major commercial application so taking satellites from low earth orbit to
0: geostationary orbit for example so we can't do that where does, where could you start if you were in, if you were in orbit around the earth?
1: Well, well, roughly speaking, halfway the moon distance, okay. but, but it depends on the, I mean, because the magnetosphere is not a sphere actually, but it's a, right. it has a long tail in the night side, but roughly speaking, two
0: way, halfway moon distance. So not, so not even like geostationary orbit, you couldn't use them No, too. It's, it's still inside the magnetosphere. Right. So
1: the geostationary orbit is uh, about 6.6 earth radii from the center of the earth. And the, uh, Magnetopause on the, on the
0: day side is about 10, 10 right, and right, yes. Right. So so say the, the lunar gateway could have a, an electric sail on board to maintain its orbit.
1: Yes, in principle, yes. Yes, they, they, they could have, yes.
0: Yeah, okay. And, and then the other
1: restriction is that uh, the maneuverability of the electric sail is not perfect because uh, it's a large system, so it takes... I mean, we can vector the thrust by tilting the sail with respect to the solar wind, but it takes some time to tilt the sail uh, because we do the tilting by the electric sail effect itself. So if we decide to tilt the sail to do do this kind of maneuver, then it takes a couple of days, typically uh, with typical parameters. And during those couple of days, of course, it all the time produces propulsion in some direction.
0: Right. I'm kind of imagining the, you've got this central hub and then you've got these many, sometimes kilometer long uh, tethers and you're trying to turn the whole thing as a unit into a new tack. But, but, but I know like one, one misconception that a lot of people have with solar sails is that they can't be used, that they can only go away from the sun. But that's not true, right? Solar yeah, sails, no, no, you know, that's not true. You're, no. you're in orbit. And so if you turn one way, then you raise your orbit and then you're able to move outward from the solar system. You turn the other way and you're starting to lower your orbit. You're using essentially the light pressure as a brake to bring you closer and closer to the sun. So in theory, could you use, say, an electric sail to go yes, down absolutely. to the sun to like visit Mercury? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So
1: in the same way as the as in the photonic in the solar f- photonic cell, we can do the same in the in the electric cell.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, w- I would love to talk about just some kinds of missions that you know we talked about sort of where it performs. So essentially, not at Earth, not at Jupiter. Everywhere else is fine. Um, <laughs> what are some some ideas of some missions that? that you're very excited about that, would, that you think would work really well with with an electric sail?
1: Yeah. So th- there is nowadays a, sp- a startup company in Finland, whose name is Aurora Propulsion Technologies. Uh, and they are kind of trying to com- commercial, looking into commercialization of the electric sail and also the plasma brake for the orbiting satellites, plus some more other more conventional stuff that meets cold gas thrusters. Anyway, uh, this company, together with me, they, we have developed an, an, a mission concept called, called North Star. Uh, it, it's a concept that we could fly out from the solar system, a, a very small payload, a few, maybe one kilogram payload, uh, at high speed, um, uh, using the electric sail. Uh, and maybe to w- towards the North Star, <laughs> because we can with the electric sail we can even we are not restricted to to only flying in the ecliptic plane so we can also fly perpendicular to the eclip- ecliptic plane if we if we if we want to That's
0: really interesting. So you just slowly yes, uh, change your your trajectory and then just fly perpendicular yes. to the solar plane. So
1: so we can do that if if the payload is enough small and if we have enough of these tethers. And of course in this kind of mission there is a challenge how to get I mean not only for the electric shell, but, but for the payload how to get power how to get electric power in order to transmit some data to earth and then how to have this antenna which transmits the data so right we have come up with some uh kind of innovative concept how to do that so we would use a, an inflatable uh maybe two and a half meter diameter reflector antenna which doubles as a solar collector so so we get uh, Power from the sun, and and we get a uh, right. We, we get a radio antenna by the same hardware, same ha- very lightweight hardware, and this enables us to do this mission without nuclear energy whatsoever. Okay, so, uh, okay. That kind of that kind of makes it affordable. So so it's fully solar powered, fully environmentally benign. Right. But still, we could transmit data from thirty, uh, thirty about thirty AU distance back, back to Earth, and the scientific mission would be to for example to measure the background background light of the universe with a telescope so because this is a measurement that has to be done outside the zodiacal cloud because the zodiacal cloud is the dust cloud which which comes from the asteroids originally which surrounds the earth so if if you try to measure the background light level of the universe from earth orbit you can't do it very much because uh, this zodiacal light is disturbing you right but if you fly outside this zodiacal cloud then you can make this measurement.
0: right and so all astronomy right now is hampered by this zodiacal light that is this this dust that is left over from the formation of the solar system it is always in in every picture that astronomers take and yes, so that's absolutely that's
1: and, absolutely right and of course for most astronomical measurements measurements it doesn't matter but if you try to measure uh really the background optical light from from the distant galaxies the average background light of the universe especially
0: yeah, uh, yeah. for
1: example on the optical wavelength or or some other wavelength uh, then you enter into this problem that's interesting and or so ra- ra- run, run into this problem
0: right and so you figure that that you could have a a a probe like it would work practically out to a distance of about 30 astronomical units that you could still using a uh, parabolic dish. Mm-hmm. You could both, you could both concentrate the light from the sun to provide energy, but also be able to use that as a transmitter to be able to send data back to earth. And you could be out in the 30 astronomical unit range, which is like Pluto.
1: Yes, that's Pluto. Yes. So, so r- roughly there we could still have enough power for, for right. running the tr- transmitter. After that, uh, we basically run out of power and also also this radio communication starts to become infeasible uh,
0: but if but if but and you saying that's just solar power that's not with using a nuclear battery but if you did put a nuclear battery like what is on the voyagers or on new horizons or something like that then you could go where where if you did if power wasn't a problem you know with a nuclear battery how far could you go you know could you could you go out to hundreds of AU? Could you go? Yes
1: Yes, sure. Yes. I mean but of course it would take time, so of course. But I mean, the speed would be something like 50, uh, 50 kilometers per second, the final speed here, so what we are trying to reach. Yeah. So, I mean, so one that means I mean one AU sweet period. spot
0: is a1,000 is AU. If you can get to 1,000 AU, then you can use the sun as a telescope.
1: Yes, uh, uh, yes, I think it's 550 actually, but, but yes, yes, some, somewhere there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so in theory, this this spacecraft, this propulsion system could take you out to those kinds of distances faster than almost any other yes, method. Yes, that, that, is, that is true, yes. So then the
1: question is, is mainly the data. I mean, if you have some kind of nuclear source on board, then the question is that... Uh, f- that, 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 how, then the question is the co- main main question is the communication link, and of course, what is the weight of the nuclear power? So that's uh, yeah, uh, that's quite important parameter in that kind of yeah. mission. We haven't yeah. looked into that because we have thus far only analyzed this uh, solar powered case, which because these nuclear things are very very expensive in practice. Yeah. So so the idea is that this this uh, mission we could implement with less than 10 million budget or something like that.
0: That's amazing. Um, And one of the other missions and we reported on this, uh, I think it was about two years ago, that you were proposing that that you could make scaled down versions of these that could say visit a whole bunch of asteroids like each individual probe. So so how how small can this come down to be and still be practical?
1: Yeah, that that's a good question. So uh... I mean, people have analyzed that that concept further, and and it's about three unit cubes that currently, what can be flown. So, so it's only one tether, one electric cell tether, 20 right. kilometers long, and then one three unit cubes that weighing about five or I mean four to five kilograms. Right. Uh, and, and then the only the instrument is a is a telescope whose uh, aperture is uh, perhaps six centimeters or something like that. Right. for rookie and and then one makes asteroid flybys and then one one important thing in, the, in that kind of mission architecture is that you need autonomous optical navigation so yes. because because in that case we wouldn't be able to maintain radio contact with the earth all the time so so the probe has to be able to fly on its own Right. Until it then, at the end, it makes an Earth flyby. I love this idea, yeah. where, where it actually downloads all the data, downlinks all the data it has gathered down to Earth, right. at at low cost. Uh, but, but it requires that we require software, or I mean, navigation which uh, works autonomously yeah. during during the trip. In, in principle, this was done already twenty years ago right. by Deep Space One. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but I love this. I love this idea that you would just launch. 10, 50, 100 mm. of these little CubeSats. Yes. Each one would deploy its single tether for, yes. for being able to, for propulsion. And then they would all just go out into the asteroid belt or just, out, you know, yes. into the Trojans or everywhere across the solar system and just take all their pictures, take all the data that they can, and they follow this big, long orbit. And then they come back to the Earth and they dump their data and then they get their new, they get their new orders now you're going here and here and here, and then they maneuver themselves autonomously, and 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 you could just imagine that once you had enough of these going, mm-hmm. every <clears throat> every five years, you know, every, after it would be ongoing, just be like new probes are coming back every couple of days with more data, more analysis of a new asteroid. It would be, it would be game changing, and I know most yeah. asteroid researchers would you know they only, they've only seen up close you know five asteroids that they've got good yes. data and so that's not enough of a sample for the for the solar system you want yes. hundreds you want thousands and that's how you would do it yes yes
1: that's how how you do it yeah. so so if you want to visit if you want to view a large number of asteroids from from close distance the only way is to have lots of spacecraft, obviously. Yeah. And the only way to make it affordable is that the spacecraft is very small. Yeah. So so there is kind of no no way out of this uh, this
0: fact. So, so let's talk about flight time. So let's say you did want to send a probe out to, say, Pluto. How long are you looking at for it to be able to make these kinds of distances?
1: Uh, I don't remember. Uh... You know, to the nearest decade, it might be less. It's about ten years, or, or or maybe eight years. But of course, it all depends on the payload. How? So it's right. a trade-off between the payload and and the time. Always. Yeah. And of course, now now we have to remember that if we go to Pluto, then uh, we can't come back. So so then it's only flyby. Yeah. So unlike asteroids, so so from the asteroid main belt, we can still come back in, and the. And this uh, this uh, trajectory, I mean, this uh, trip takes about three years in that case. Right. You, fo- you- even from the Tro- you mentioned Trojans. So so Trojans we could also, in principle, cover with the same mission architecture. It's a little bit more challenging because right. there is uh, uh, so much less sunlight at Trojan distance. I mean, Trojans are five point five astronomical units. Yeah. Uh, so 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 the trip would make take longer. So it would be more challenging from the engineering point of view. Uh, but 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 yes, it 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 would be quite doable as an extension of this uh, multi-asteroid touring concept that we already have.
0: Now now I know that that you have already launched a prototype uh, a couple of years ago. How did yes. that work out for you?
1: Well, uh, we encountered some technical problem, which was uh, uh, so, so so basically the reel where the where the tether was uh, stored it didn't rotate, and and we know now the reason. So. Uh, so, so the problem was basically in the in the mo- motor. So it was not in the tether or the or the deployment of the tether itself, but right. it was kind of uh, in the just in the plain old mechanics of the of the reel. So 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 that was a cubesat uh, mission. So it was a short string budget and so on. Yeah, only one kilogram satellite. And it was going to
0: be um, in low Earth orbit anyway, so it low, low Earth orbit anyway, <clears> yes, so it wouldn't and, have worked.
1: One, one so. So we had to select a rather low torque electric motor uh, because we wanted to select an electric motor which has no magnetic fields inside. Because uh, so, so we selected a PSO electric motor for that reason, and the PSO motor has had rather long, low torque. Yeah, and that me- meant that any kind of mechanical uh, glitch uh, w- w- was kind of it, it was kind of sensitive to there was not so much margin between the right torque that it could produce versus the friction that it had to overcome. Uh, and the reason, reason was that if uh, I mean, the satellite was so small that if, if there would be any stray magnetic fields in the motor, then that would have uh. Disturb the attitude control system of the satellite right, because right. the satellite flies in Earth's magnetic field. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's kind of all, all, all things that if if you have a small project, then you have to make certain compromises, right. and then at the end, it, it, it increases the risk levels in some way or another.
0: So, so, so it didn't work. But you, it are you working? Work in that sense. But are you working on the the next prototype version? Yeah. Yes,
1: we are now now building actually a new new experiment uh, which we fly almost identically. We will actually be building two experiments. One is to fly in a Finnish CubeSat called Forsail One. Uh, the other one is flying in Estonian CubeSat S Cube Two. Uh, and these experiments will be almost uh, identical.
0: Yeah.
1: That's. But, but the launch schedules of these satellites are kind of proceeding independently from each other. But they uh, w- they are both at almost at the same uh, in the same phase phase now. So we should deliver our hardware. Uh, next autumn I, I mean in the in the coming autumn right. so, so we are we are kind of busily making tether and, and we have almost built this uh, this real real and motor and
0: electronics now so, so so we are working with that so there's another technology that you're working on as well that you call the plasma brake
1: yes so the plasma brake is uh, is a variant of this electric shell so so the hardware is pretty similar uh, the, the the plasma physics is also kind of reminiscent but but it's it's different because we use different polarity of the voltage uh, and the purpose of the plasma break is to deorbit satellites so that that is to remove uh, orbital debris
0: right right um and so and so how would the would the two work together uh, i mean
1: i mean the hardware is it's the same thing. It's sim- sim- similar, not, not quite, not almost the same, but very similar to each other. So the really is similar, the tether is, uh, it can be similar, but it can a little bit optimized differently.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and then the high voltage part is different. So in the electric chair, we need about 10 or 20 kilowatts of positive voltage to the tether, and we need an electron gun for pumping out this uh, right. negative charging from the system but in the plasma break, we need only one kilovolt uh, negative voltage source which keeps the tether minus at one at minus one kilovolt with respect to the spacecraft and the right uh, and the plasma and so when would you when would you use the plasma brake uh, oh, oh, oh that's that's the end of life uh, operation uh, after the satellite mission is complete oh, so, okay so okay okay.
0: So you would you would have a you would have a satellite that was orbiting the Earth. It would it was time for it to die, and it would yeah. it would extend its plasma break, and then it would yes. it would wind itself into the atmosphere and, and burn up. Yes, exactly, right. exactly. Right. And, and the point is that it can do
1: this uh, with uh, low mass and and uh, and low power.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I know that so we... there are, are there are some other groups. Like Tethers Unlimited, they developed a a descent, you know, a tether, a similar system. But I don't think yeah. it had any electrical function. It was just mechan you know, just added the drag. Yeah, that's an aerodym- aeroda- aerodynamic yeah. drag tether. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: but our, our our system has the benefit that uh, the tether is very thin and very, very So 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 it makes the system very lightweight. I would think that it's about one order of magnitude more lightweight than this uh,
0: and and does it also work in a in a in a higher altitude because y- y- yes I mean compared
1: to yes so so actually so there are now two comparison points so so one is this uh, uh, this aer- aerodynamic tether that you were mentioning the other is the so-called electrodynamic tether which is uh, yet another variant of the tether so so that's the that uses the magnetic force yeah so it also deploys uh, a tether but much but but much thicker than our tether right. And the benefit of, of our system is that uh, our tether is so thin; it is so thin that it's not uh, threatening, It's not a threat to other satellites. So, so even if our tether collides with a with a live spacecraft, right, it, it won't. Uh, it makes a sm- so small scratch that, uh, that right. it's it, it, it's insignificant because uh, similar scratches are produced all the time by the natural micrometeorites yeah. on all satellites but but if if these these other these electrodynamic tethers and these aerodynamic tethers they are, I think they are much thicker than right. ours so so if that kind of tether hits yeah. another spacecraft then
0: it's it's a more se- severe consequence So in theory could you even deorbit a geostationary satellite?
1: Uh, no no because no uh, so our upper, there there is not enough plasma in the, ge- in the geostationary orbit so we could deorbit from up to let's say twelve hundred kilometers or something like that, or, right. or fifteen hundred, perhaps fifteen hundred kilometers. So so we could still deorbit these uh these mega constellations. So so yeah. that have been designed for lower or lower orbit. We, but we can't deorbit uh Navigation satellites or or geostationary satellites, unfortunately.
0: Right, right, right. Um, All right, so so now I want to go into just the far, far future. um, And that is like, is there any application for trying to go to another star system?
1: (laughs) Uh, I would say not really, because uh, the theoretical maximum speed of the electric sail is the solar wind speed, which is... uh, uh, in the so-called fast solar wind is 800 kilometers per second on average, and that's kind of, uh, I mean, with that kind of speed, the trip to Alpha Centauri would take still, I guess, more than, th- well, several thousands,
0: 2,000 years, years or something like that. <laughs> right. So it's, yes. so it's still, that's fast, but it's not fast enough.
1: It's fast in the solar, solar system times in the right. solar system scale. It's, yeah. it's, it's fast enough for almost any application in the solar
0: system, but it's not fast enough for interstellar. Right. Ships. What about as a braking system? So if you did send your spacecraft to another spacecraft using say a laser sail, and then yeah. you deployed an electric sail, once you were, we wanted to slow yourself down. Would there be, would that work? Yes. At that, all?
1: that, that would, that, that might work in principle. So, so, uh, the issues there are, of course, the durability of the tethers in that order, and, it, and that kind of in that kind of very fast. Right, you're going 10% three of, of light. Plasma and, and dust that dust that comes towards the spacecraft. But but yes, it, it it's kind of um, it has been looked into. Yeah, I, I I haven't analyzed the numbers myself, but but it has been looked into,
0: and it's it's a at least it's a theoretical possibility. Yes. Interesting. Okay. All right. Because that's that's half the problem, right? Half the half the problem is getting up to a very fast flight time speed. The other half of the problem is slowing yourself back down again, once you get on the get on the other side. Um, So I I would love to to I've got some questions now from the audience that I want to pass along. Um, uh, this one comes from uh, Arjon, I don't know if this is uh, so. Could the sail be used for data transmission, or would the sails actually hinder it? Uh,
1: neither. So, so this is actually a, this question is commonly asked, and and uh, well, my answer is that you can't really. I mean, uh, the the main reason is that the the resistance of I mean the tethers are tether wires are so thin. Uh, that the resistance, electrical resistance per per length unit per meter, is is l- larger than the so-called free space resistance. So, so it means that if you try to use it as a transmitting antenna, you lose most of the power into heating the the, the tether wires. So there's
0: so there's no way that you could use the um, the way it's interacting with the solar wind as a way to communicate. I mean, with really powerful radio telescopes, it's amazing what you know, you could have a cell phone on the moon, and someone could detect you making your phone call from Earth using some of the big radio antenna that we have here on here on Earth. And so, you would anticipate there's some kind of some kind of way that the that the sail is interacting with the solar wind, with the electricity, and that may create some kind of radio yes, signal. Yes, yes, that is,
1: yes, it might create some radio signal, but the bandwidth is. I mean, the, the radio frequencies would be rather low in that case, and right. that means that the, the data transmission bandwidth would be relatively low. Yeah, and, and and also the the antenna on ground would would have to be huge because right. of the long wavelength of the radio waves. So it seems to us that it seems to me that the development in in, in communication is moving in the opposite direction. So they are moving to higher and higher right. frequencies uh, and sh- shorter and shorter wavelengths, and and that kind of uh, right. further Away from this kind of right. possibility.
0: So, like, don't get fancy. Just use a regular radio transmitter, and just have a dish on Earth that can receive the tr- the signal.
1: Yeah, I think that's that kind of seems to be the bottom line. Yeah, I, I would love to be wrong, but but that's, yeah. that's yeah. my
0: conclusion for the moment at um, least. <laughs> uh, Delicious Plum asks, "What might be the average lifespan of an electric solar wind sail? Would one of these satellites last as long as the Voyagers?" how durable are these tethers
1: yes uh, yeah that's a great question so so the answer is that we can tune the durability so so by just selecting the number of sub wires so so the lifetime ex- increases exponentially as a function of the sub wires that the tether is made of so if we use four wire tether which is our baseline then uh, the expected lifetime is about of the order of five years but if we use five wires then it becomes much longer I, I don't know how much but it, it, it's anyway
0: several tens of years in that case yeah is there so, so ba- is there basically any... we can make them durable? yes right 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 so you can make them more durable um but i mean is there a i mean we're starting to see some incredible work in 3d printing things in space especially things like filaments and and tethers and things you know things where you just you know you build them on the spot so i mean yeah are there could you build them build your tethers out of material that's 3d printed so if one of your if... tether snaps you just extrude another one from the central bus yeah. right
1: yes possibly you could i mean we actually looked into this possibility at our lab uh, maybe three or four years ago but but then uh, we kind of decided that it's too fancy at this yeah, stage of development. Right, of and then we went back back into making the tethers on, yeah. on ground. But, but we actually thought about these kind of things in, in some phase. And it certainly it's, it's not impossible. Idea, right, but it right. It seems maybe f- further into future. Yeah,
0: I, I just imagine like a spider just, you know, yes. a spider yes. doesn't, you know, isn't born with however many silks it's going to need but it just, it just extrudes them as it needs to. And, and the same thing, you could almost imagine a, uh, a solar, like you might need different length tethers at different parts of, you know, if, if a big tether is, is, is hard to move, hard to shift your, your position, hard to change your orientation, mm-hmm. maybe a smaller tether is, is easier. So is there any value in increasing and decreasing the length of the tethers as part of your mission?
1: Uh, yes, of course. Uh, I mean, if, if you, if you dig, de- make, make the tether shorter, then, uh, these manu these tilting manuals be, will become uh, faster. So it's more agile. Yeah. Uh, agile yeah. mission spacecraft, but, but, uh, but then you have to increase the number of tethers uh, if you want to maintain the same uh, same thrust force from the from, from yeah. the sail. So,
0: yeah.
1: and certainly you are right that uh, if we if you have some kind of spider system that weaves the whole whole tether rig, yeah, then then uh, it might be feasible to increase the the number of tethers without sacrificing reliability because uh, the reliability is kind of the main reason why. At the moment, we don't want to increase the number of tetherers too of much. Course. So, so we, we have thought about, or at least I have thought about, these kind of uh, possibilities for, for, for already for maybe ten years ago or, or something like that. But uh, the only reason why we haven't kind of moved forward with these ideas is just uh, that it seems to us that uh, the level of technology that is kind of affordably available
0: right now in space. is not quite yet sufficient for that kind of. Thing. Yeah, but, I mean, but certainly
1: things are evolving all the time. So.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, from from my perspective, right? You know, my job is to just is really to sort of see all of the things that are all happening all at the same yes. time, and then to kind of go, oh. You know, this three D printing over here would be really useful for this um, for this electric sail idea over there. But obviously, you know, both of them are are in their infancy right now, and so yeah. it's way too early to try to sort of take advantage of of these these kinds of technology. Like, you know, let's see a soul let's see an electric sail actually reel out its tether first. You know, yeah. to start with. Yes.
1: Yes, Fraser, we we are we are certainly on the same page regarding this.
0: So yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. No, I no, I totally understand. Um, so uh, another question from Arjon. Uh There are electric fields, twisting electric fields at the edge of the solar system, uh, as well as like the heliopause. So so uh, there, you know, there's a region in the outer solar system where the where the solar wind starts to interact with the with the interstellar wind, mm-hmm. will yes. will that limit your? You know, is that when you run out of solar wind?
1: Yes, in theory, yes, but uh, but in practice, we run out of the solar wind already earlier because the solar wind becomes so tenuous uh, that in most. Of course, it depends on always on the on the length of the tether, tethers and the payload. But but usually we would turn off the solar, uh, the, the sail already at, uh, let's say, at twenty AU distance or something like that.
0: Right. So, like Neptune. So,
1: yes, because I mean we we could keep it on, but but the speed increase that we get, the acceleration we get after that is kind of so small that it
0: yeah
1: it doesn't really matter. Uh, and then, of course, if if you keep the if the, if you keep the world its after exiting from the helio heliosphere, then then you start actually breaking <laughs> because the interstellar plasma is again much denser than the solar wind, it's, and it's almost right. kind of, uh, it's moving much sl- slower. So, so to first approximation, you can think of it as
0: almost t- stationary. Right, right, right. So, so that would be the situation again, where you in you know if you if you built like a really big. Like, mm-hmm. say you just made it ridiculously big, mm-hmm. tether system, some you know, tens of yes. kilometers, hundreds of kilometers long yeah, to yes. get maximum yeah. thrust early on, yes. then yes. you would want to, as you start to get out into that outer solar system, you would want to start snipping away your tethers. Yeah, yes, but
1: you you don't have to you don't have to sneak away because uh, the only thing you have to do is is to turn off the voltage of the electron gun. So after after you right. turn off the voltage of the electron gun, then this magic magic disappears. So so then we have just
0: ordinary wires in ordinary space and nothing serious nothing happens. To interact them. Right. So you don't need to actually physically get rid of them. And so I guess the same thing then you can, you can change the voltage that's going through the, is there any advantage to using more voltage? If you had, if you had lots of power, if you had, you know, if you had three RTGs bolted uh, into your spacecraft, would you be able to? Um, yes,
1: you, you can press you. Yes. So, so the higher voltage you, you use, uh, the higher thrust you produce, so it's almost linear relationship between those. But but then also the uh, the amount of power that you need grows as the as voltage raised to power one point five. So uh, so it's a trade off between the the available power and 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 the thrust that you want to produce. And and also there is some practical limit for the voltage that you can use because. Uh, the, the insulators I mean the high voltage insulators become thicker if when you increase the I mean they must be thicker when you increase the voltage so and that increases the mass also
0: right right um, Raj Luther asks uh, is can electric e sales collect energy for batteries so is there any no, no, way no. no 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 this is this is not an e- energy
1: collection device. Right, so so this is a momentum so you you need to use a little bit of energy to to keep the sale. Stretched, so to say, yep. to keep the tethers under under this high voltage, yep. uh, but and and then you, when you do that, then you get momentum from the from right. the solar wind. But this is not an energy
0: generation device. So so this is a momentum generation device, right. basically. Yes, but there's but there's no, I mean, there's no way. I mean, is there a way that you could harness the 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 momentum from the solar wind? for electricity
1: uh not not that i know no no Uh, unless you use these tethers as as electrodynamic tethers so so but then you you need some so if you have magnetic field Mm -hmm. but, but the magnetic field of the solar wind is so weak that you can't really you, you, you in theory you get something but it's it's kind of uh, that's that's uh, all i needed to are... hear that's all i needed to hear yes. was in theory yeah, yeah. um in theory, <laughs> yes. in
0: theory but so so in theory it, you could somehow harness from the magnetic field of the solar wind um, and then you could turn that into electricity, but but it's not very much. Yes, but, much. but then,
1: then it's kind of the electrodynamic tether effect. So so then it's kind of different physics that what we are using here. Yes. So, so you could use the same hardware still, but but it would be the different physics. But but in practice, you can say that, I mean the power that you get by that method is so small that you it's basically almost not nothing. So right, so
0: you, 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 you can't do that unfortunately. Right, right, right. But I, you know, I can kind of imagine, like, you, you switch the system to gathering energy, if you're not needing it for propulsion at all. And then you would switch over to mm-hmm. propulsion when you need to go somewhere. Yes, in the magnetosphere of Jupiter, for example,
1: there, there this might be done. might be doable. so right. So because they're, they're the magnetic, the, the Jupiter's magnetic field is so high that that, that kind of changed, changes the situation. but but that's a whole another, whole other yeah. story and there are many other complications in that application also.
0: right right, right. Um, so uh, so. Aaron is asking, you know, could you add an electric sail on a probe like Orion? Would it add mass? And I think just like in general, it is there? Do do you see a future where I'll I'll give you an example, like, like, Uh, you know, when you have a boat, uh, you have to have another method of propulsion. So if you have a motor on the boat, you also have to have an oar or a sail Mm -hmm. just for safety for as a backup. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And so can you imagine like some sort of standardized electric sail being attached to almost any spacecraft in the future as a backup method. I mean, Kepler, like if Kepler had an electric sail, it would keep, you know, maybe it would be able to keep working. You know, they had to, so when you think about the Kepler, so I don't know if you know what happened with the Kepler mission. uh,
1: Was it so that they... They had the broken gyros. That's right, yeah. Lost... Kepler
0: had the broken gyros, and so what they figured out was they were able to balance the spacecraft into the solar wind where the pressure, or into the sunlight, sorry, where the pressure of the photons was keeping the telescope perfectly balanced, looking uh, at you us. You mean that in
1: the attitude sense, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, able to perfectly yeah. balance it. Be able to, and yes. so you can imagine, uh,
0: you know, if you're in you're in, on an Orion capsule or some spacecraft or whatever, and your propulsion system goes down, or let's say there's, there's not humans involved because the humans are, are dead. But let's yeah. you know you've got a satellite that it's you know has a propulsion system. It failed to reach its its desired orbit, you know around the moon. Yes, say. But, uh,
1: yes but but we have to make a distinction now. So so if it's a propulsion system that fails, or if it's the attitude control system. Oh, let's talk fails, about the so. propulsion system. So propulsion, propulsion system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then then the so so yes. So, so you can apply the electric sail to any spacecraft, right? but. Uh, with the condition that you have to be outside earth's magnetosphere because only the, i mean you have to be in a region where where there is solar wind available yeah and the other condition is that you you must be able to your, your mission has to be has to be compatible with slow spinning right so, so and that's kind of one one condition so so for example a space telescope probably <laughs> cannot spin because because they want to point at, at a certain star for a long time. So.
0: Right, and that actually... Things like that. And that leads into, but you can imagine some future where they just, you know, you have some module, there's, there's a tether, there's an electric sail just attached to every spacecraft as a backup, and that way, you know, it's only a couple of kilograms, and if if need be, it could deploy some version of a, of an electric sail, and then... Continue raising its orbit, or whatever it needs to needs to do as a backup, you know. Yes. Some missions that. will be; it'll be the primary propulsion system. But you can also imagine in other missions they they'll like attach a, up an electric sail because because they're small, you know. They're very they're very mm. um, very few moving parts, and and the sun is constantly blowing. So. Um, uh, it, yes i mean
1: this is a generic technology so you can apply so so th- this is an interesting application so uh, we haven't been thinking about exactly this application but it, yes i mean yeah. w- whatever requires propulsion then potentially we we, right. can, we can provide and in,
0: and in fact you know you could almost like have the with the plasma brake as well right so it's like i mean every spacecraft should should have all of these these missions should have a plasma brake just attached to them Any, anything that's going to deorbit all of these constellations. Yes, especially for deorbiting, which right. is relevant. Yeah, because, they should because all have a plasma break on them.
1: They should all have a plasma break because yeah. e- even though uh, these mega-constellation spacecraft uh, satellites, they probably have ion engines on board, but uh, because this, uh, they can only deorbit this satellite using the ion engine or ho- whole thrust, the whole effect thrust. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, if all the subsystems of the satellite are still working, so they need all the they need power. The power system must work. The attitude control system must must work, and the uh, and the uh, and the thruster must must work. Because otherwise, if any of these three fails, then uh, you you can't be orbit with with, with right. this uh, whole yeah. effect thruster. And that means that there there will probably be some fraction of those satellites that are left left there in in as orbital debris because. Uh, th- 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 something failed before before they deorbit it right uh, and so so even if the main deorbiting method is is the whole effect thruster adding this uh, two kilogram or adding the sm- small plasma grade, which weighs only two kilograms right more then it would increase the likelihood that they right. will actually deorbit and, and that that's actually very important for fighting the, the yeah, absolutely program, given, given given how large number of numbers of of satellites we are talking about in case of these mega constellations
0: yeah yeah and so and then and then for anything that's going to be operating outside of the earth's magnetosphere it makes sense to also attach a auxiliary um electric sail just in case you need yes
1: but but of course for for a different reason yes yes because in those orbits this orbital debris is, is not a problem yeah
0: yeah um, uh, so young, Jis young, young Ziz, sorry, um, uh, asks, is there a possibility to keep the tether straight without the rotation of the satellite? So that, that rotation is necessary, right? Uh, at least we think so. Uh, we, we have been f- trying to come
1: up with some way how to keep it straight without, how to keep it straight without rotation, but, but I, I can't, uh, I don't think there is such. At least I, I don't know such, such, such a way at the moment. So
0: yeah, yeah. And, but and, and, it, it's and a that... very
1: relevant question to ask because this rotation is, is of course, a little bit of a nuisance for for many, uh, many applications. So, so it would be very cool if we could uh, have a sale which doesn't involve rotation. Right. So, so this is actually this is a question that we. We have been thinking of a lot, but but at the at the moment we, we can't really
0: right. Ha- and so we and don't so have a an solution. And so that that rotation of the spacecraft is what actually deploys the 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 tethers themselves and keeps them keeps them taut, keeps them stiff in yes, all directions. Yes, it's a
1: centrifugal force, yeah. force, which keeps them taut, keeps them stretched. Yeah. Uh, another way out of this problem would be that uh, if you have some kind of magnetic linkage between the a rotating part of the of the sail, and and then non-rotating spacecraft, which is somehow sitting at the middle of the ring or something like that, without any physical contact with with the rotating ring. We have been thinking of of that kind of of stuff, some kind of magnetic uh, confinement of the spacecraft, but uh, but it's hard to do with without superconductors, and then if you go into superconductors, then you introduce the reliability issue because you need this active cooling, so. But if, if somebody comes up with room temperature superconducting, then, then we are talking, yeah. then we can- Finally, then yeah. we can use, that, that, that's yet another application for, for room temperature superconductors, h- how to connect spacecraft together in space without actually connecting them physically.
0: Right, yeah, but you know, if room temperature superconduction is developed, then, then everything changes. Yes, many things change, yes, but including also. (laughs) Including (laughs) also orientation of spacecraft missions. Yeah, that's great. Um, uh, So this is interesting. So Dagrath asks, could a magnetic brake be used to decelerate a spacecraft to enter orbit after, you know, since all of the outer planets have their own magnetic field? So, I mean, for example, right now, um, mars a spacecraft that's going to mars might use aerodynamic braking to enter martian orbit yeah would the could you do something similar with the plasma break or is it is it just too slow
1: i'm afraid it's too slow because uh, i mean we have to make a distinction between aerobraking and aerocapture yeah so aerocapture means that you really create a lo- rather large delta v at one rather large velocity yeah during single pass, pass through the, uh, near the planet. Uh, so so what limits us in case of Jupiter, for example, is that uh, e- even though Jupiter's magnet- magnetic field is very large, so we could, from that point of view, we, we might generate a lot of force in the near flyby. But, but the problem is the mechanical um, tensile strength of the tethers, because... Uh, that that kind of limits the maximum force that we can transmit to the spacecraft because the force is transmitted by these,
0: yeah. these tethers. Yeah.
1: So so I I would say that this uh, capture by this effect is probably out of question. Yeah. Uh, but but breaking is certainly feasible. So so we might do capture by a small chemical thruster, for example, for in case of Jupiter, because uh, in case of Jupiter you have very massive planet and then this. Overth effect magnifies this uh, This even a small chemical burn to, to a high extent. So yeah. so you might do the capture to high, highly elliptic orbit with chemical means, and then you can start to slowly decrease in the aphelion the, the of this uh, this elliptic orbit right. by using the slow, low, low thrust. Right, propulsion. right, right. That's right, this one, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, one of the advantages of being able to fly to Mars is you can do this very fast, fast trajectory, and then do a um, do an aero capture to be able to, to arrive without having to carry a lot of propellant, propellant on board. And so any idea that will work, we've reached the end of our time, um, it's been absolutely wonderful, and, and really enlightening to, to understand every aspect of this technology, uh, you know, I think as people understand, I'm, I'm really excited about it, um, and have have covered it a lot in the past, and will continue to cover it in the future. Where can people find out more about what you're working on and, and, and what, what's happening next? What is the next big development that people should, you know, should be watching? Uh, for? I mean,
1: the ne- next thing is, is that we will launch these, these cu- two cubes, at, uh hopefully next year. So, so, yeah. so, so this four sale one and, and S cube two, uh, or at least one of them prob- hopefully will be launched already during next year and, and then uh, and then this North Star mission, yep. uh, but, but that that doesn't have kind of uh, f- f- launch or, or 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 stable funding, yet, right? But right. Uh, but, but there is a company uh, with more than twenty people working there who, who are kind
0: of propagating it. So, and so those three things. And if people want to follow the developments, where should they go? Where should they uh,
1: to our, our website? So okay. so that, that's uh, www. Electric minus sailing okay Finland.
0: and I'll put i li- I'll put a link into the show notes so people can people can find yes. out more well yes. uh dr Janhunen, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you uh there's a lot of fans out there uh cheering and rooting <laughs> yeah, for for t- your work <laughs> and um and please keep us please let me know when you guys do something you've got my email let me know when you yes, uh when you yes, have something I, I certainly do when you have something new that's happened and we can't wait to yeah. to get the word out
1: yeah, th- thanks, Fra- Fraser. I, I very much enjoyed talking talking to you. It was re- really pleasure pleasure for, for me. You are you are so so, you have so wide knowledge and you are so so expert. In, uh, <laughs> I, okay. I hope you are taking notes.
0: Maybe you know if you have any any if it, if any of the ideas pan out, please you let gave, me know. You
1: gave, gave me lots of new
0: ideas <laughs> okay. already during this one Perfect. Hour <laughs> wonderful wonderful. Uh, that, yes. Then that's my job. All right. Yes. Thank you. Uh, take okay, care, you. and uh, I hope See you again. all stay safe. Yeah,
1: stay home and stay stay safe and.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Bye.